0: Wow, isn't it was an amazing spirit of prayer in here this morning. It was powerful. I love that. You know, you could feel it in the worship. That this, what you were saying, Judy. This, there was just prayer. You know, you think about worship; just you're just worshipping the Lord, but there's something supernatural happening. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Amen. But it was powerful. Uh, Lord, help. So I'm going to read this verse. I'll read it to you. This will be the third week in the row. Just in case you forgot, it's this really amazing prayer. Hey, I saw Christina Kasperson. Where's she at? Is she in here? Where? She left. She's got jet lag. God have mercy on her. She has got back from China but uh, where well, she lives there. And so we're happy she's home for a few weeks, right? For about a month, I think. So if you get a chance, she's probably about sleeping. You know, when you get jet lag, that's what happens to you. You go to sleep talking. <laughs> I've literally gone to sleep in the middle of a conversation. And the, the bad thing about it is you don't know you're asleep. You really don't. And then you wake up and you realize the conversations went on and you kind of have a blank spot. <laughs> so bless her, Lord. All right, I'm going to read Exodus thirty-three, thirteen. 13. It says, "Therefore, Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I might know you and that I might find grace in your sight. That's just is crazy, isn't it? If I found grace, show me your way that I might find grace. I love that. That's kind of a grace sandwich, isn't it? In the middle of it is show me, show me now your way that I might know you. Um, so in, I wanted to kind of New Testament... New Testament eyes, this prayer. Because, uh, you know, the Old Testament, we have to remember everything in the Old Testament is a, is a, a shadow. It's not the substance. The New Testament's the substance. So, any, when, you read the, when I read the Old Testament, I always try to New Testamentize it. I try to bring in the revelation of the New Testament. Bring in the, the you know, bring the person in. You know, the, so we can see the actual person versus just the shadow of the person. You get that? So if I was going to make this into a New Testament prayer, I would, instead of saying, if I have found uh, grace in your know, sight, so I would say, Lord, I have found grace in your sight. In Christ, Lord, I have found grace in your sight. And so, Lord, show me your way in a more com- fuller way, more, more complete, Lord. Reveal your ways to me that I could really know you better. I could have a better relationship with you. So I could experience more of your grace. Amen. Yes, it is good. So this is such a really amazing prayer uh, because it's about knowing the Lord. That's, that's what he was saying is, Lord, you know, so I, show me your way so I might know you. And so that's really the whole, you know, essence of Christianity. That's really what Christianity really is all about. It's not about every, everything else. It's about knowing God and having a relationship with God. That's what God so desires with us is to re- have a relationship with us, and and we, I think we all understand that in our minds, but we don't understand that in our hearts. Um, Jesus said in John seventeen seventeen three that eternal life is knowing you, the true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That's what he said eternal life is It's it's knowing god it's it's not it's not anything else it's knowing him it's it's having a relationship with him if you go into first john uh and read in first john two he he talks about uh little children young men which is just such a fascinating if you really read that very close young men little- little children young men and fathers so it's like three levels. In the tr- in our spiritual walk with God, that we're going to find ourselves is we're going to be children, we're going to be young men, and we're going to be fathers. That's genderless, right? We all know it's fathers or mothers, uh, young men, young women. Spiritually, we'll just keep it like it wrote, not get all wound up with the gender issue, because it's, it's no gender issue in heaven, right? So it's, it's fascinating, though, because he, he talks about two things. If you're a, a, a little child, he talks about two things that will be made real in your life. He talks about two, two different things that will be made real in your life as a young man in the Lord. And then he talks about one thing for fathers, and it's that, that they know the Lord. That's, that's all, all he has to say, that you have known him, you know him. And see, that's the goal. What he's, what John was trying to say. The goal of Christianity is knowing Him. That's the ultimate thing: is to know God, to have this relationship with God. And and so, the, so that's what you know. We had to keep that goal in mind. And sometimes we lose sight of the goal, right? Sometimes we lose sight of what we're doing, and we and we the the other things that we put focus on, which are really wonderful things. Uh, sort of cloud the goal, sort of cloud why we're doing what we're doing, right? Why are we coming in here and spending 45 minutes or an hour worshiping this invisible being? Really, why are we doing that? Why are we sitting in this room right now listening to me talk? Why are we doing it? This is why we're doing it, because we want to know the Lord, and we want to be close to the Lord. Any other reason is not a good reason. I'm going to be honest with you. No, there's no other good reason. And so... That's really what Moses has done here. He's given us this amazing little prayer. Show me your way. Show me now your way that I might know you. Show me now your way. Right now, what you're doing now, God, in this present moment, so that I could know you better. I could come into a a greater relationship with you. Are y'all good this morning? Because y'all are looking kind of (laughs) bored. Anyways... uh, I think I've said, I'm just repeating myself here, but I love this. I can repeat this all day. Uh, there's two ways that we connect with God. One was we, we connect with God inwardly. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and that we really begin to know. Those. And this is so really real right now. This is a real thing that God is doing in the earth with people. It's helping people to connect with, with what they already have in their spirit. The kingdom of God is within you, Jesus said. This is very vital that we begin because you'll never be, it's going to be hard to connect out here if you're not connected in here It's like the dots don't seem to connect, but when you have been there to connect with what you have, what you're already carrying inside of you, the kingdom within you, then it's easier to connect the outward. It really is and so that's one of the ways. And the other ways, and oh, the beautiful thing. Oh, gosh. The best example, I will say, Lord, show me the best example of the inward in the Bible. It's the Mount of transfiguration. When Jesus, a normal looking guy, suddenly this inward manifestation of glory exploded and became outward. That was, that was the best example of this inward thing that he carried that nobody could see hidden in his flesh. Well, every one of us is carrying that same glory, Christ in you, the hope of God. Every one of us is carrying that glory within us. And, and so God, and here's the great thing, is that glory wants out. It wants out. It wants to be expressed. It wants to be released. It really does. It, it wants to be. It, it desires to be. And God is looking for people who will just be childlike enough. I mean, just be childlike enough, because that's really what it takes. It takes humility to allow that glory to come out. And he's just looking for people who will just be childlike enough to believe that you have this glory inside of you and are you're willing to let it be released. And I just love watching the children worship up here this morning. They were having a big old time i tell you what, they have something better than we have. They're not really caring about what people think. They're really not. They're not caring about what time it is. They're not caring about the temperature. They're really not. They're caring about something else. They're just enjoying the moment, and that's really all God wants. Just enjoy the moment with Him and have a fun time with Him. Sometimes we get out of control and the parents have to straighten them up, but God can straighten us up when we get out of control. Well, there's this other aspect of, of knowing God. And I talked to y'all a lot about that last couple of weeks. I don't know if you remember about the treasure in the earthen ves- vessel, the treasure hidden in a field. And I really do know that it's, it's messy. Like I said, the treasure in the field, the field's messy, the earthen vessel's messy. It's difficult. But in that thing, in that vessel, in that field is the treasure. In that field is something amazingly beautiful. It's worth the trouble. The Lord is worth the trouble. The glory of God is worth all our problems and issues to get to it and see it revealed. But there's also this other amazing way we connect with God, and that's what I would call the you know the outward. Uh, he has for Colossians 1.14, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. And we have been placed in a kingdom, a real spiritual kingdom. And we are already in that kingdom. And that kingdom is already here. Jesus says it's right here. It's right within reach. And so this is really important. So we connect inwardly and we learn. So, and I believe inward really should come before outward because outward gets confusing if you haven't got it straight inward. Okay? Because you need that inward witness, the, the inward unction The inward anointing that can tap into what's coming out here. But I feel like, uh, you know, well, I just love this term, open heaven. Okay? I just love this term, open heaven. Open heaven really describes the kingdom of God that has come on earth. That's what a real open heaven is. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Okay? Okay? Y'all acting awful solemn. Well, John one fifty one. This is a favorite verse of mine, and he said this. He's the Lord speaking to a, Nathaniel after the Lord gave him a, a prophetic word. I saw you under the fig tree yesterday, and Nathaniel was all enthralled about that word. Uh, and then Jesus said to him, "Most surely I say to you, hereafter you sh- you shall see heaven open. You shall you shall see it, and the angels of God ascend and descend upon the Son of Man." So Jesus promised. Uh, This open heaven, uh, and the word most assuredly right here, this is what it means. It means most definitely, without doubt, unquestionably, for certain, for sure. In other words, you know, verily, verily, I say unto you, the King James verse. that's a verily, verily. I'm telling you, Jesus was saying, this is a guaranteed fact there will be an open heaven. There will be. I promise you that. And another great thing about this verse... The word you there doesn't just mean you, Nathaniel. It's a plural word in the original language. It means all you guys. It means everybody who hears this. I promise you, there will be an open heaven and you will see. You will see. Now, Jesus wouldn't have promised that if it wasn't going to happen. I guess you can tell I have a lot of energy about this. (laughs) Well... I wanted to tell you this something that happened to me well anyways you know first let me say this about Jacob's ladder because that's what Jesus was describing there Jacob's ladder he was basically saying what Jacob saw in the dream was a shadow he saw a ladder with God standing at the top of the ladder and angels going up and down that was just a shadow the real ladder has come that's what he was saying. The real ladder that's connecting heaven and earth is here, and I'm that ladder. That's what he was saying. I'm the substance. Yeah, yeah. It's really good, and you have to believe that. And if you believe that, then you, be- you believe in an open heaven. Yeah. So I had this dream a few years. It's been several years ago. I say a few. I think a few is like three, but I mean, I'm thinking this is way more than three. I don't even know how long ago. It was probably more than ten years ago. Well, the dream was like this. I was in the back parking lot of the church building, and I was with a few guys. And we were doing guy things, just sitting around talking about stuff that guys like to sit around and talk about, which usually is not that great. You know, just chit-chatting. You know how guys can be sitting on cars and talking? I was leaning against a car in this dream, just talking away to some guys. actually some guys in this room I was with. Well suddenly, suddenly, I saw a door in heaven open, and when that door opened, all these this this beautiful light that was different colors enveloped me. I was in this this gold light, this blue light, this rose colored light and it was it was a just a, I was just in the dream I was like getting really like those kids, kind of getting out of control because I was getting so impacted by this atmosphere that was flooding all over me. And the weird thing was, the guys around me, they knew something was going on, okay? But they were not being impacted like I was being impacted. They weren't being touched like I was being touched. They were just like something's going on. They weren't sure what it was. For me, it was literally heaven had come to earth. Heaven had touched me. I was caught up into the heavenly realm. And that was the end of the dream. And I just, you know, it was an awesome dream. But, you know, you have an awesome dream. Thank you, Lord. You know, But what that was God's introduction to me uh, that there is an open heaven. It was his introduction. And it was also this that you'll discover. This is what Jacob said in Genesis 28. God is in this place, and I didn't know it. In other words, there's an open heaven, but we don't—we're not always aware of it. But that does not mean there's not an open heaven. There's a spiritual world. You know, scientists talk about the parallel world. Y'all have heard that there's a parallel war, war, world, and there's another Tim O'Reilly on this other side, of this world, and it exists along. Y'all have heard all that crazy stuff, right? Well, they've gotten some of that. There is another world that's existing right now. It's what the Bible calls the spirit, the realm of the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Where is that at? It's a world that's right here. It's it's the kingdom world. It really is heaven come to earth. It's really the activity of a spiritual world all around us right now. And I promise you, if if God would allow people to open their eyes, we would see all kinds of things. Uh, We would see, because in this spiritual world are not only angels, and uh, God's not only, Jim said he lives in a supernatural world. That's that world. There's also demonic things that are in this world. And uh, all that exists. It's all real and true. So I felt like that dream was sort of my future. I felt like God was saying to me, I'm, I have invited you to know this. I've invited you. And, and he gave me a desire for it. He gave me a hunger for it. That's what the dream was all about, to ignite something in me. What I was saying, God in you, Christ in you. Was 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 jumping for joy for the Christ out here that was being released for the spiritual realm being released and it and it stirred me and it caused me to want to to find out about this spiritual realm and find out and really it, it really activated stuff in me. Are y'all okay? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> It activated stuff in me. It activated dreams. It activated vision. It just, it just stirred me up. And suddenly I was captured. I was connected into the spiritual world like I had never been. I could literally sit down and pray with people that would be dull and boring prayers. But then it was like a switch would happen. And all of a sudden, this flood of, I, I, years later, I started calling it the, world, the supernatural worldwide web. Because I, was, I knew I was tapped into something that was not natural. And so those dull, boring, boring prayers became invigorating because all this information was flowing into my mind that I couldn't know otherwise. And I knew how to pray. I knew how to think. I, you, know, you know, people have a hard time in worship. It was nothing for me to worship. I mean, because I felt this thing. I was in this flow of God. And I was in the flow of His world. I wish it would have lasted forever like that, but it didn't. <laughs> Let me tell you just a few things, you know, biblically about what happens in open heaven. Um, and there's a lot of things, but I just sort of went through the Bible and picked out some phrases where it talked about the heavens being open or open heaven. The first one was in Genesis 28. When, when Jacob took a nap, went to sleep, put his head on a rock, and had that dream of Jacob's ladder. And he said, Surely God is in this place. This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. That was a, like the first revelation of that thing. That's pretty important, couple things he said there. Another one was in Ezekiel. Ezekiel had this, Ezekiel 1, read that. You think people, you think stuff gets kind of weird sometimes? Read Ezekiel 1. I mean, he's seeing what some people call flying saucers. There's wheels in the middle of wheels. There's all this, and they were twirling, and there was these... Creatures is what the Bible calls them as creatures. (laughs) Around this throne, these creatures. There's creatures in heaven, but he saw this, and there was this fire. But he saw God up there, the glory of God. He saw it. He saw these beautiful colors like sapphire, and and he was stunned. In fact, he was so stunned it messed him up for a while. But he heard God speak to him. Heard God speak to him up, up, open heaven. It's powerful. If you go read that, Ezekiel was a very powerful revelation. Of course, shifting into the New Testament, uh, you know, when Jesus was baptized, the Bible says the heavens were opened. Uh, Literally, it says the heavens were torn open, ripped open, ripped. God ripped heaven open when Jesus was baptized. Mark 1, Matthew 3, Luke 3. God ripped it open. Never to be sewn back together. But not everybody was connecting yet. It wasn't time. But Jesus was. Jesus walked under an open heaven. Jesus walked. And the voice of God spoke, spoke about, to his identity. Spoke his pleasure over Jesus' life. That was what happened in open heaven. And then here's a really a difficult one. is in, in Acts 7, Stephen was being murdered. And he looked up and he saw heaven open. And he saw Jesus Christ stand up. And receive him. And he said, Lord, don't hold it against them. The ones that killed him don't. That's a powerful revelation of open heaven. Then Paul the apostle was on the road to Damascus. Being sent to go imprison other Christians. And a bright light shined. And this power of God came out of heaven, it says. And it hit Paul and knocked him to the ground. And blinded him. And this is it. The people who were with were, and, and he had this conversation with Jesus. He said, who are you? And because he said, why are you kicking them against the priest? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus Christ, whom you're persecuting. God was talking to him through this open heaven. And he got up blind. He was blinded by the power of God. And, of course, later the Lord sent a man to pray for him. And the scales fell off his eyes. But it was interesting because it says the people with him, they didn't hear it. They just heard a rumbling. Obviously, some God's done something to Paul. There's a rumble, something's happened, but they were not impacted. They weren't impacted. See, you can, the person next to you can be highly impacted by an open heaven, and you can be a critic. You can, you can find it disgusting, and you can find it to be a turnoff. Because the Bible says the things of God are offensive to the human mind. That's what the Bible teaches. It says it offends your mind. And God does offend your mind. You know, the old statement, he'll offend your mind so you, can, so you can see what's going on in your heart. So you can turn from the offense. So you can turn from the offense and not be offended by it, not be put off by the things of God. That's why he allows the offense to come. Oh, I don't really love that always. You know, in Acts 10, um, Peter was hungry on a rooftop waiting for lunch and fell into a trance. And it says he saw heaven opened. And saw a sheet leapt down from heaven, and heard a voice tell him to eat. And he, and he had this conversation: "I'm not eating that. I'm a good Jew guy. I don't eat stuff like that." And the the ultimate end of it was this: the Gentiles received the gospel from an open heaven experience. The Gentiles, us, most, the rest, most of us, it was it went all over the world. And at that time, it was pretty. It got pretty stagnated. In, in a location, Jerusalem, it was pretty packed in for the Jews, some Samaritans received it, a few Gentiles here and there, but really it had not been released, it's powerful and then in Revelation John the Beloved Revelation 4 said I saw a door open in heaven and then he heard a voice, saw and heard, I heard a voice talking to him hey come up here, I got to show you some things and and he went and saw the throne of God and that's how the rest of the book of Revelation is written is out of what he saw when he went up in and saw that throne. Yeah, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So those are some really powerful things. And so I think the common thing in the Scripture when there's a mention of an open heaven is that God becomes more real to people. God, that's what it is. God becomes more real and, and, and God becomes more accessible to people at least in their experience. At least in their experience, God's always accessible. God's always real, but He becomes more real in an open heaven environment where, God, where people feel God and they see God, they hear God. God does something in their life. There's an impact. And so it's God, really what it, an open heaven is, it's about God's influence coming into the earth. It's, that's what it is. It's God's influence coming into our world. Now, who wouldn't want God's influence coming into our world? Now, just tell me, anybody wouldn't like we pray for North Korea? Who wouldn't want God to do some influencing there? Who wouldn't want God to influence the White House? I mean, right? In, but see, all this is is comes because because God wants to be here and God wants us to be with Him. I'm having to be really careful because I can be insane. But let me read Luke twenty-three forty-five. <laughs> See, in Christ, we already have opened him. This is what it says, Luke 23, and there's more to this, believe me. The sun was darkened. This is when Jesus was being crucified, or Jesus actually died. This is the moment Jesus died. The sun, the natural light, quit working for a moment. It was darkened. That's, that's significant. That didn't, just didn't happen because that was just a sign in the heaven. It was a sign, but it was trying to tell us something. At that moment, Jesus was saying, from now on, I'm the true light. From now on, I'm the light of the world. I'm the, this is the real sun. The real sun is going to come forth. And I'm going to temporarily suspend this natural sun. And then it goes on and says the veil of the temple was torn in two. There was this big thick veil that separated the holy of holies. And nobody could go behind that veil except the high priest once a year. And that thing was ripped apart. And in, in Hebrews it says that veil was Christ's flesh. And when Christ died on the cross, he made heaven available to everybody. Everybody. He tore himself was torn open so we'd all have access to what's in heaven. Do y'all believe this? Okay. And so what he wants us to do is to learn how to to engage this. And, and like I said before, First Corinthians thirteen eleven 11 says, uh, we see through a, a, a mirror dimly. In other words... We're not always going to be in touch with it. We're not always going to feel it. We're not always always going to be aware that it's around. But it's always around. Jesus said in in John 10, I'm the door. That that door that John saw in heaven was Jesus. I'm the door. And you can come into heaven and go out of heaven through me. That's what he was saying. You have ability to, to tap into this realm through Jesus, the door through Jesus whose flesh was ripped open. And see, the first thing we had to do is settle in our hearts that this is the truth. Because if you're not settled on it, and if you have some kind of other thought on it, you're going to miss it. You're never going to get there with it. Let Let me just read this to you. Because here's one thing I struggle with up until I had that dream, things begin to shift. Is I had what I thought I was a New Testament Christian with an Old Testament mind. I had an Old Testament mindset about everything. That's that's how I lived my Christian life. When I heard about the open heaven, it was the heavens are brass, so your prayers bounce up to heaven and fall back to the ground. You know, that's a scripture in the Old Testament. I just felt like, gosh, we're just, you know, how do we get God not to have brass heaven? You know. But when I found out that was an old covenant view, I found out that God doesn't make the heavens brass. We make the heavens brass. Let me just read this to you. Are are you all okay? Uh, Deuteronomy 28.2. This is another heavens open. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because what? You obey the voice of the Lord your God. That sounds great. And then in verse 12 it says, The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you... The rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand, you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. That's beautiful, isn't it? But here's the thing. Now, this, I'm going to be straight with you. This thing is based on your obedience. That's what it said in verse 2. And it goes down and lists, and everybody quotes that, and everybody gets all hung up into this thing about obedience. But that's the old, I'm just going to say it, that's the old covenant. Now, this is what we need to get. That's what God did in oil. That's the shadow. The substance is this. Christ has, is the one who can only obey. I know this is dangerous Christianity because I know it's going to give people permission to like not obey God. Well, that's, if, that's, if that's what you do, then you're going to be in trouble. You're going to ruin your life. But I am going to tell you this. People need to be set free and start living the way the New Testament teaches it. The New Testament says this, Christ has fulfilled the law. Christ has fulfilled all obedience. What we do to have these blessings is not, what, it's not based on what we do other than our trust and faith in what Christ has already done. And when we begin to trust what Christ did, then we get into alignment with what God's doing. Instead of us trying to get God to do something based on what we do, well, that's just purely crazy. Because you might do pretty good for 30 seconds, I can do good for a bye. I mean, honestly, I can go pretty good for a few days, but then something happens and I get mad at somebody, you know, I get aggravated and get prickly and all, you know, messed up and start wanting to do bad things and think bad things, you know, and then suddenly I'm out now, I can't be blessed anymore because I'm all messed up, you know what I'm saying? Here's another one. I'm, Will already read this. And this is a beautiful scripture. And pastors should probably never read this verse. The way I'm going to read it. It's about ties, Because, you know, the church needs money. Hey, this is what I want to do. I'm going to get up and give a, uh, a uh, talk one day for when we do the offering. Like, here's the truth. We need your money. Help. <laughs> give your money. <laughs> That's as spiritual as I can get. We had to pay electric bills. We commodes break, things fall apart. The roof leaks. Where do you think this money is going to come from I'm going to fix it? You. It ain't It's like one guy said, Byron. It ain't likely God is going to rain money down on you. You got to find some people that'll help you do this. So that's my theology about giving. But I'm a big giver. I believe in that. But here's why I am. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in, in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for, for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing there's not a, enough room to receive it. Here's the truth. That's already been done. That window's already open. It's already open. When we, when we trust Christ for what he's already done, he opened the window. He went over and opened the window and said, This window is open for you. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Christ. It says it, Ephesians 1, 3. It's there. So what we do, what, what, how we align ourselves with that, is we believe that, we trust that. Therefore, it's easy to give because you're not trusting in what you do. You're trusting in what He did. And it, so it makes it easy to be a giver. It makes it easy to be generous. Because you're not trusting in yourself and about you being able to get out there and work and make money. Are y'all okay? And so that's really the truth. And so you can take this, this, like these were shadows. If you'll do this, I'll open the windows of heaven. Jesus said, I'll do it. Let me do that for y'all. I'll take care of all that. What you need to do is believe I took care of all that. Trust I took care of that. And when you do that, there's this anointing of generosity will begin to flow in your life and giving won't be a chore listen, some I don't always get, oh I feel like giving like the Lord told me to give somebody 40 bucks Shelly. I said nah, I'm not giving him 40 bucks he'll throw that 40 dollars away Lord, I know he will I gave the 40 dollars, I didn't feel like giving the 40 dollars I wanted to spend that 40 dollars on something else like myself that was my goth money I had to give it to somebody I spent my goth money on somebody. I didn't want to do it, but I felt like the Lord told me to. And I wasn't trying to just be a beat it, but I knew that was the heart of the Lord. And the heart of the Lord matters to the Lord's friends. And when we begin to engage God in friendship, the things that matter to God will start mattering to us. Even when our flesh resists us. It really is a truth. I've got to hurry up. I'm over time. Let me finish, okay? Are you all right? So in the New Testament, it's based on what God has already done in Christ. Faith in what he has already done releases God to do what only he can do. Right? It releases God. It releases God to work. The pathway of power. power. So what was happening to me is I was, can I talk a few more minutes? What I was doing, because it's overtime, the kids will be here any moment. What I was doing in my pre-dream life I was allowing what my natural mind told me about everything that went on. I walked in a church. The only information I was getting is what I saw with my eyes and heard with my ears. I was not tapping into the spirit realm at all. And it was a dismal thing a lot of time, You can feel people's burdens. we got to break through that. That's the soul realm, into the spirit. Oh, they got a burden, Lord. What are we supposed to do about it? You know, what are you saying about that burden, Lord? And so I was allowing all that to dictate to me whether I believed the heavens were open or not open. My feelings, not what the Bible teaches. And so your success in life as a believer and your success in life as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, everything, job, depends hugely on what you believe about an open heaven. If you believe God has already given you favor in Christ, you can have a lot of favor on your job. Instead of trying to make everybody going around and that's what people do to get favor. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can appeal to what God's already done and live in that and trust in that. And God will release all kinds of favor on you. I really believe that. That's part of the thing. See, here's the problem. Let me read Luke 24, 45. I got to finish, man. I'm just feeling anxious right now. Are you feeling anxious? Yeah. (laughs) I had a dream uh, two or three months ago and in the dream I was driving in my car and I was feeling great anxiety because my gas gauge was showing empty. And then I looked and it was actually full. And I had I had a couple I had a couple more dreams that night all along that all along that theme that I was viewing everything that my tank was empty. When you think your tank's empty, you're not going to drive anywhere. You're going to feel extremely anxious. And you're going to get all jammed up. But when you believe that your tank is full, you start to shuck and jive. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Believe your tank is full because Christ has filled it. So here's, here's, how this thing, here's how this thing works, okay? This is how it works. Remember I said the gate of heaven earlier? That's when Jacob said this is the gate of heaven. Here's what the gate of heaven is in the New Testament. Here's what the gate of heaven is in this room right now. Here, let me show you the gate. Here is the gate. See that? That's a head. It's your mind. You see, that's the gate. And so, you see, heaven was not open for me because my gate was closed to it. We have to have the work of the Holy Spirit to come on our minds to get the gate open. Now, this is all over the New Testament. I don't, you cannot read the New Testament. If you start looking for it, you're going to find it everywhere there. The gate's your mind. What you, what you allow... In your mind, it's what your heart's going to experience. Now, that's the truth. That's what the Bible completely teaches. This is what Jesus said. Luke 24, 45, one of my all-time favorite scriptures. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. He, it literally says he opened their mind so they could understand the scriptures. See, something had to happen to those disciples for them to really even read the Bible and get anything out of it. God had to do something on their mind. See, it's not that heaven is closed over anybody. Their minds are closed to it. And because their minds are closed to it, their heart can't experience it. Now, this is truth. When my mind began to open up to the fact that the Bible says heaven is open, then I began to believe that, guess what started happening? I started experiencing open heaven. When I stop experiencing open heaven, the first thing I do is go back to my mind. What am I thinking? What am I believing? You ever committed a sin? Probably most of you had not You know, I'm talking about as a Christian. You committed a sin, and you're feeling bad about it. You're regretting, like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You told the Lord, I'm so sorry, Lord. I, I'm sorry. I, I know you've already forgiven me, but I don't feel forgiven. I know the Bible says the blood cleanses our heart from an evil conscience, but I don't feel that. I feel bad about that. I feel terrible about that. That's a bad situation. Because it's okay to feel bad about doing the bad thing, but it's not okay to keep feeling bad about it because of what the Scripture teaches, that the blood has cleansed your heart from an evil conscience. It's your evil conscience speaking evil things to you, telling you you're messed up. Telling you you're bad. And see, the blood is the thing that has to deal with that conscious and say, No, you're not bad. Listen to what your spirit is saying. Your spirit is saying, Oh, you're righteous. You're awesome. You're glorious. That's what your spirit's telling you, it's telling you the truth. But your mind is telling you something else because of what you've done or what you've said. That's what your conscious is made of, actually. It's, it's, it's the voice of your mind and the voice of your spirit. They are what informs our conscience, what our conscience does. And when they're in conflict, there's no rest in your life. That's another story. But anyways, let me finish right here because Joe's standing back there looking mad. He's got his arms folded. What are these kids out. Romans 8, 7. There's a lot more to this. I'm just sort of giving you an introduction to this uh, open heaven thing. I hope the Lord's speaking to some people in this room. Romans 8, 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity, which means hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, the natural mind is not subject. It's hostile to God. That's what it says. That's what it says. So that's why Jesus... The Holy Spirit, God the Father, has to work on our minds. They have to do something to our minds. Otherwise, our mind is hostile towards Him. Our mind will say, that's, not the, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. These people are drunk. Look how foolish they are. That's what they were saying because the Holy Spirit hadn't had a chance to touch their minds yet. And your mind can never, it will never be able to receive the things of God unless God does something to it. And then your mind can open like a door. And the things of God become, can become a reality in your life. i tell you something. I don't listen. I don't trust people. F- no further than I can throw them. When I'm sitting there listening to them, I feel like they're talking out of a natural mind. They're talking about out of opinion. They're talking about out of a f- feelings. They're talking about out of proper culture. That's what they're saying. I'm thinking, I'm bless God I'm going to listen to you but my thing I'm not taking any of that to heart because all of that is contrary are y'all okay y'all just sitting there looking at me madly (laughs) y'all looking mad at me I didn't make this stuff up this is in the Bible I didn't come up with this on my own (laughs) my gas gauge is full although I wasn't feeling like it was full I appreciate Jeff saying I was like feeling empty here But I realized it wasn't. It's full. Your gas gauge is full. Everybody in this room, your gas gauge is full. You have something. You're carrying something. You have the ability. Some of you need to do something this morning. This is what you need to do. You need to say, Lord, I've been thinking way too much natural stuff. I've been way too much in the flesh mind. I need to get into that spirit mind. I Do something do something in my mind this morning, Lord. Do something in my thinking this morning, Lord. And I'm not talking about just sin and thinking. You know, anybody can do that, right? Anybody can think bad thoughts. But I'm just talking about opinions and, and just, I don't know, man. Come on. Let's start thinking about how to get the thoughts of God going in our minds, and when we allow those thoughts of God to become, and we just start saying yes to them, our hearts are going to be impacted, and our lives can be impacted. And in God and the things of God can become very real in your life. Amen? All right, let's stand up. Luis, won't you come up here? I'm going to pray one prayer, okay? I want you to put your hand on your head this morning, if you so feel like it. Okay, if you're willing to change the way you think, because that's what repentance really means. And when you change the way you think, guess what else changes? Listen, every thought has an emotion tied to it. That's proven science. So when you change the way you think, you are, there's going to be some emotions that are going to change. It's true. That's, that's all part of repentance. Changing the way you think. Changing your mind. It's not like, hey, I'm mad at him. Oh, mm, that needs to change. <laughs> I need to be happy with him. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. Choices. Lord, we're just asking you today, just say, Lord, I ask you to do a work in my mind. Come touch my mind today, Lord. Come give me the ability to let this mind open up to you in a new way. And, Lord, I just give you my opinions today, my feelings, my, my things that I feel like I've got to have. I put them at your feet today, Lord. Lord, just, I, I know, Lord, I believe things that are not right. And I know those things are embedded down in my heart. And I pray you'd heal my heart so I might believe things right. Lord, I just ask you to do that. Renew my mind. Restore my mind back to the garden. Help me to stop hiding from you, Lord. and From your voice. And from your appearance, Lord. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to do that. Just give the Lord a chance. Some, some people, put your hand back at the base, base of your skull if you suffer with... Intense emotions like fear or disappointment or discouragement. Because that's the natural realm. That's where your emotions are at the base of your skull back there. Just, Lord, we ask you to touch our emotions today. Heal. Heal our emotions, Lord. Heal us. Lord, don't let our bad experience color our doctrine, our theology. Lord, just don't let it do it, Lord. Don't let our failures color how we function Lord I just ask you Lord in Jesus name, Amen